This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. This is 92. And um, this is by Moshe Rabbeinu, where it says, Vayom anoichel ke'avichol ke'avram ke'ezariyakov, Vayaster Moshe Panov ke'yorma abedolakim. So Moshe hid his face, covered up his face, hid his face. Not clear what the point of that is. So the Ikram says, um, Moshe Beno first thought that this is some sort of physical phenomenon, which is quite unusual, something burning and uh, not uh, being consumed. When he realized that it is something spiritual, he realized that whatever he saw physically wasn't the reality. And that's why he hid his face. He was scared that by fixating on the physical, he is going to be detracted from 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 understanding the emes. Because what you see from a thing physically are simply um, incidental stuff, the color, the length, and so on and so forth. Meaning as follows, that when a person, whenever we learn about this, about spiritual things, and Kabbalah is actually the uh, primary example of it, the danger is that we become fixated on the physical aspect of it. And it's something that we um, begin to uh, dwell on the physical details, expressions, descriptions, and that takes away understand the Ruchnius. So w- once, w- when a person is learning the part of Torah that's called Nigla, like the Halacha, so the physical details are extremely important. How long they are served, how uh, green, this and that. When we learn things about Olam Haba and Leviathan and, and, and Turabah, let's say, and this and that. So when people start getting involved in the details of it, then basically that's taking them away from understanding the message. Leviathan is not tuna, not even salmon. It's 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 whatever it is. It's some sort of onegruchni that has been described as Leviathan. So we need to understand what is the onegruchni that's described as Leviathan. But to start having all of this, these questions about the fish and so on and so forth, it's it's going in the wrong direction. It's like sometimes when you tell people a parable. Or, or, or some sort of illustration, and people become very fixated on that. Those kids, they, 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 they sort of forget that this is all simply a, a parable for something else, a metaphor. I'm saying this too in this, in this part of Torah. Um, so Moshe hid his face because he wanted to focus not on what his eyes would see, but what the understanding of it is. And that's why Chazal said that in the merit of that, 
he was he merited um, seeing Shechina because seeing the Shechina is an experience that the person needs to be able to grasp with his mind rather than with his eyes. Okay, the, um, the next Pasuk is, <coughs> says, um, And we find a lot of times um, a sort of the, a, a verb is doubled in the Torah, sort of a, a form of language. And the Sona explains what that form is. Rorisi means I really saw. Or the way they would say it in old and archaic English, indeed I saw. Anytime you have a verb that is repeated, the, the the you repeat you you repeat the verb when there's a sense that the other person doesn't believe me. It's like if I tell you I swam over the Atlantic Ocean, so the response would be you got to be kidding. And you said no, I really did. Um, or or even in colloquial language, you say I swam. Let me repeat that I swam across the ocean. In, in, in other words, make no mistake about it. Um, despite the fact that you might be inclined to write it off as a slip of the tongue, I want to tell you it's it's true. So, so a repetition of a verb tends to be a reinforcement of a statement that one might have thought is not like that. Like we saw last week, etc. We also told him you make a mistake. He says, no, I, I really do know. So I kind of was saying, I know it sounds strange that I've seen them suffer because where are you till now? Um, so, you know, I will get back and I will, um, you know, and I will not destroy them, but I will push them to let our cries off. I'm not interested in destroying the Mitzrayim and having the Jews set in Mitzrayim. I'm interested in moving the Jews somewhere else. So it's interesting. He He's saying, the Sforna the here tells us that the metaphor of Asnen and Ukal is actually about the Egyptians. People tend to think that the metaphor is about Kaisal, that no matter how much Kaisal suffers, it still exists and survives, and that seems to be the primary understanding of it. But I, I see in this far note, he understands it to mean, let me tell you something, I know how much the Jews have suffered, <coughs> I, will, um, I, I will punish the, the nation that did it rather severely, but I'm not going to destroy them, because I'm not interested in having the Jews stay here and settle in Kafur and Mitzrayim, I want them to go, um, I, I want them to go further. The next one is an Ikrim, who's going to explain the contrast in the Pasuk between the great ascetics, like Al York, Hanir Bedoisa, they made light of 
of anything good in this world, because it's, it's, it's never stayed. Nothing that we have in this world sticks around, it keeps changing. What the, what the Rechoshish was for Ruchnius, um, which stayed, so they never understood the physical good to be good, because no, the physical good never stays around, and it comes and it goes. They were willing to suffer in this world just to get that pleasure of Olam Haba. Because they recognized that the pleasure pleasure comes after pain. It, it, it seems somehow in nature that things go from extreme to extreme. Things that are opposite somehow come together. Existence only happens after destruction and destruction after existence. Now, um, I just want to pause a minute and talk about this. The Maral says this, but Maral says it, in, in a, in, I think, in a deeper way. Maral speaks a lot about Churban, Beis leading to the Binyan and so on. So, the, ex- the, the way the Maral seems to say it, I, I would say as follows. Um, imagine a person has Severe emotional issues, or he's undergone, he's objectively in a, in a very, very difficult place. <coughs> now, the body or the mind, better said, the mind throws up all sorts of temporary, less than optimal defenses or coping mechanisms. So, if everybody says, So, if I'm a weak student, I'll pretend I'm a good student, I'll take the teacher's fault, I'll do this, that, the other thing. So long as those exist, nothing solid can be built. It's, um, you know, whatever, wh- whatever is taking the place of what should be there I, 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 um, is preventing it from being built. So, for instance, if I owned a cottage in Manhattan, when Manhattan was a little, a little village, and then it became this huge city, I can't build a skyscraper on top of the cottage. I, I, I've got to demolish it and raise the ground and then start start building. Without that, and that's why so some in Achlibnos is called creative work because you must have it in order to have the building. So when if a person is still, um, if a person is has um, all sorts of uh, illusions and sort of coping mechanisms, nothing happens. A lot of times when a person's uh, illusions are dashed and it comes in a crisis, that's when he's ready to have something solid built on it. As long as Kalyusrol has some, as long as they schlep along, and even if it's a very, they hobble on a very crippled Ruchnius, um, they, will, they will not do tshuva, they'll not do right. But once they once that that is gone, and they um, you know and, and they and and the the ground is clear, then they can build. So Kadosh Baruch Hu, the Beis Hamikdash got to a point where you can't fix it. Fixing it just because there's a problem. So Kadosh Baruch Hu raised it. Once it's raised, so <coughs> so Maral, in many contexts, uses this point that Hefsid is the is the beginning of 
um, bigness. Um, a per when a person, uh, no person can stand a void in his life. Once he feels that he has nothing, he will do something to have something. And that's very positive. He says a little bit more abstract that you see opposites go together and wherever there's hefset, there's binyan. Um, <coughs> This is a point that Chorim all make, and Balasong used this, this point to make, and, and Machshavas Chorim, that if you look at, at some very core process in the world, such as plants growing, until you don't, the plant starts growing only when the seed has totally disintegrated. Um, the the um, the, the, the chick comes when the chick comes out and there, there is no egg left inside so when it's when all the whatever's in the egg that is supposed to be um, that's supposed to be eaten and gone everything is, is gone and becomes a chick now so here also um, you have the, um, the, the, the when, when all Israel Shabbat said I've seen that they've reached rock bottom now that they've reached Rakhbanim, we can begin to redeem them. Okay, the next is, this is going to be quite a few um, shitos about the concept of names Rakhbanim Baruch This is the first time in Chumash, really, where um, it's, it's something that's, that, that, that the Chumash focuses on. Uh, we do have different names of Hashem appearing here and there in other places. They all of them are sort of they are. It says Elohim, it says Hashem, it says Kale, um, and so on. But um, this is a, this is where we have Hakadosh Baruch Hu being asked um, when they'll ask me what your name is. Should I have a name and an email address and stuff like that? You know, let's let's introduce ourselves. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "My name is Eket." Very strange name. We haven't. Really heard of that name? Okay, so so we're going to see a, a, um, a few pieces about it as much as we have time. The first one is Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. Valderach Hamedrish for Omruli Mashmoi Bikesh Leidashmar Gadol. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to know God's grand name. Amar Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Baruch told him Shmiatim Vakleida. You want to know my name? I am referred to by the activities I do. When I judge the world, I'm called Elohim. When I do war against the Shem, I'm called the Lord of Hosts. So, response the way the message brings it is, I'm I'm referred to by whatever it is that that happens. Kavanas hachachamim benchazer kein vivu biyichud umashes moisav yisbarach rabim haseichol yader ki kulam nemaron lebore echad havlape eniyachol lichol oisam rafakti laachad kashiyichol oisam haseichol kein shmoisav is ala rabim misfam mishtanim. Rebbechaya here says the following, and this is very, very fundamental understanding of all of this. Um, there's, there's a lot, many, many farms, Hazari and so on, they all speak about it. 
let's try to um, let's try to get a sense of, 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 of the point that Mordechai is making. Because the point he's making is really central to what Mordechai says. The um, when I, when I label something, so I certainly, if I need an odd name, just to um, just to sort of refer to it. So if I let's take an absurd, I, I adopt a cat. I call the cat by name. So I need it for two reasons. First of all, for people try to think of a cat as a person. They want to be the right person, and they, they put a lot of thought into what name and so on. The, 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 the more considerate one's name, the master like a grandparent or something. But um, um, I, I, uh, um, I, you know, I give it a name, or I simply need to refer to it as something. And I guess it's cumbersome to say the cat or the other cat or this cat or the other. So I call it this is called you know, Rose, and this is called Jasmine, and this is called Violet, and so on. Fine. That's. Um, a convenience way of, of looking at it, but um, or we, we find stars and they're a random star. I need a, I need a name, so I'll pluck a name out somewhere, and that's that. But um, there's another point to it. I need to be able to find a succinct description of something, um, a name in the sense a one-word caption. That would be the right way of, um, of, 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 of a name that's meaningful. So when I find a phenomena, um, you know, so a scientist will try to give it a name that he feels expresses its core essence. That's the way that that's the way um, does things. When Moshe Rabbeinu asks her, "What's your name?" The first type of name makes doesn't doesn't begin. To, to be shared with who Akash Baruch shows up a random name, you know, like like I'd like to be known as Akash Baruch Hu. Well, that's absurd. And Moshe Rabbeinu asks him, well, what would your favorite name be? I mean, all all, all of the nonsensical meaning of a name and a favorite name and so on obviously doesn't mean anything. Akash Baruch Hu, it's just absurd. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to find one word that sums up what do we mean by a God. For instance, if I say Almighty, I mean something, and that that, that at least at least gives me some sense. So Almighty would be better than what would I what would I, what would I call God? So Akadosh Baruch tells me as follows: Since a name has to be meaningful to you, so it's it, 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 the, my real essence is not something. That you can find meaningful, um, the, and, and let's let's go to the heart of it. The word yud kei vav kei, or aleph hey yud and a hey, are core names of God, and we translate it as existence. But what does existence mean? The word existence to us. Is a meaningless philosophical com- a, a, a concept. On a practical level, if something exists, it needs to be touched, seen, smelled, noticed in action. In order, electron might not smell like anything. It might not, but I can see an electron in action. 
So I so for God to be a name that is a meaningful label for me, I have to be able to translate something physical. So I can translate something physical, but then I run into a problem because that never is the sum total of what he is. If I say the God who has saved me from X, Y, Z, it's true that God is the one who saves X, Y, and Z, but that's a particular aspect of God. God has an infinite amount more aspects here. So I'm sort of stuck in a dilemma. If I, if, if, if I need to translate God into a term that's meaningful to me, so, 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 so that is only possible by limiting it to different gods at different times. If I am talking about God in his real essence, then it is something which is um, beyond it. Let's give another one more example in a different context. Imagine you shine white light, sunlight, through Oh, let's say, instead of using the word white light, let me use the word clear light through a prism. And out comes a whole bunch of different colors. Now, clear light, ask somebody what color is clear light, and you stump the person. I, I, I can't give it a color. Um, one of, when, when my kids were young, so like, like, um, as kids, all kids, they would they would label the taste of food by color. So anything that tasted cherry, strawberry, etc., was tasted red. Anything that was lemony tasted yellow. The type of kids things: betam tahol, betam yarok, betam this. Just they sort of said, you know, that was the way you first it. In, in, in Hebrew slang, it's sort of um, it's quite common. The um, one day, Marsh made potatoes. I think I forgot to put any salt in them, so I didn't put salt in because we had gas for putting salt, whatever was, was salt free. And my, one of my boys, was a little kid at the time, takes, takes a, 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 you know, a fork full of it, eats it, and then he makes a face and he says, ugh, he says, this tastes transparent. And, and it, it really is a good equation. It, it's something that for us, what is it, so the, the reality of sunlight is, um, that is clear, but that's meaningless to us. We don't have a way to, I, I, I can't tell somebody. So I can break it into parts, and I tell somebody it consists of red and green and blue and so on and so forth. When you shine it on blue, it'll look blue, or green, it'll look green. But then each piece that I do is not, is not the whole. So Akadosh Baruch Hu responded to him. If you're asking me, if you ask me how to call me, in other words, um, how my nikra, then then it says I, I don't um, that you don't have an answer in your language. You have nothing to call me by that would express because I Akadish Baruch Hu can I I term myself existence, which is the the the, the, the best term. Describe his presence, but that term is, is just not a term that means anything to you. You need to some sort of existence is used the God who gives, the God who controls, the God who empowers. Those those are all different aspects 
those are things you can understand. But if you're trying to have it come together, you can't do that. This is also um, a reason why, let, let's, let's, let's take an example of Kabbalah. I mean, if people were, what do I need to have all of this knowledge to talk about this, sphere, that sphere, that sphere, other things, that's almost all encompassing everything. Yes, that's a much truer statement than the Sacred Torah of everything, but it's basically a meaningless statement to you. Um, you know, it, it, it gives you no ability to grasp anything. Ma'aniyafata. In the sense that supposed to emulate, emulate God, it's, it's got to be um, things that we can emulate. Um, we can't emulate all-inclusiveness, everything. That's God. But if we we see it with different um, from different angles, and we see it appropriately so, and and therefore um, we have bits that are true, but not the whole picture. So that's why the Medrash is right when he told him, um, "I can't give you a name because of your mice and mitzvah. I am described by my actions." But Hakadosh Baruch who gave him a name that is an appropriate for Hakadosh Baruch which is Havaya. But that's a term that's beyond human understanding. Okay, we'll hold it over here.